0: But what got me in the whole ordeal was we're all getting ready to leave. And Mr. Blake, he uh, he came up to Mr. Ricky and digging around in his pocket. He pulled out a wad full of fives and ones and had $146 in his pocket. He tried to give it to Mr. Ricky. He tried to give it to everybody there. And that just showed me that boy's character.
1: Is the Houndsman XP Podcast? Good dog, get that bear, get that bear in here. The original podcast for the Complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there. Yeah. 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 Good boy, Good boy, Ranger. Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're gonna catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Chris Powell, and I'm honored today to do a story that <clears throat> needs to be told. And I've always used the phrase, show them what a good job looks like. And the story that we're about to tell here is one of those stories that if all of us as houndsmen can find opportunities like this to bring honor and dignity, dignity to our lifestyles as houndsmen. This is a story that deserves telling and is a good example for all of us. We all have these kind of opportunities around us. And the person that I'm going to interview today to help to tell this story is Seth Burgett. You've probably all seen, uh, the, the Facebook post that's going around about a little boy that was standing outside of Walmart, trying to smell snack cakes so he could buy a coon dog and. I'm going to let Seth tell this story because I can't do it justice. Seth, thanks for joining me, man.
0: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you yeah. having me also.
1: Yeah. You know what? Uh, the stories like this, just, they do so much. They're so positive. They they really show the heart of who we are as a hound hunting community. And and we got to take every opportunity we have to tell these types of stories. And I, you know, I, I'm going to call this podcast, show them what a good job looks like, because it just, it it embodies all of that. So why don't you tell us, um, Seth, you've got a, you've got an interesting story yourself. You're heavily involved in a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast all the time. And that's, that's your state hound organization and, and things like that. But just tell us who Seth Bergett is.
0: Um, I'm, first, I'm a father. Um, and, a, and a husband I've got two beautiful little girls a five-year-old and a two-year-old and um, just a construction worker um, me and my wife are both self-employed so we we got a lot of freedom for family time and um, and gives me freedom to help with the state the Alabama State Community Association and uh, and you know just give back you know try to give back to the the sport that that I love so much and and the Best way that I can, most positive light I can, you know. Um,
1: so you're you're on the board of directors there for Alabama, right? And what's the name of that yes, state yeah, we, organization?
0: It's the Alabama State King Hunters Association. Um, okay. We uh, I came on the board about three three years ago. It's been it's been my third year on the board with the with the state association, and when I when I was asked to be on it. It was I told him I told him absolutely, but I wanted to do more for the youth. Uh-huh. Um with that being said, we do a state uh UKC state youth hunt every year that is absolutely out of this world. Um Kayla Cooper has been putting it all, putting it on, you know, headed that head that up for a long time and it's fantastic. Um
1: What uh, makes it so fantastic? Why do you why do you say
0: that? Man, that she has she has these people come in and do demonstrations, which I can't stand snakes, but she has these people come <laughs> in and, and tell them, hey, these are bad snakes. These are good, you know, have live live critters there. Yeah. Just you know, stay away from these snakes, you know, and then she has the the DNR there talking to the kids about, I mean, it's just, it's an all-day event, you know, field trials. It's it's huge. I mean, uh, Kevin Cable's wife, she comes down a
1: Andy I,
0: Yes, Angie comes down to our state hunt. No I mean, kidding. Oh yeah, she every she bragged on Facebook on it a couple times, you know, and about how it's one of the best hunts she's been to. Um, there's people come all over the country to this thing, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a big hand in that other than helping guides and set up. You know, that's that's something Kayla's always done, and the association's always done. It's fantastic, but I just felt like we could do a little more for the kids, and that was when I joined the board. I said, you know, I. I want to put on big events for the children.
1: Yeah, and
0: you know we had to build up some funds, and and we've got we got a big. Uh, I'll go ahead and let it out right now. It hasn't been posted yet, but uh, I think it's February sixteenth, seventeenth, whatever that weekend is. Right there, I've talked to Greg Maynard. We've got the flyer ready. We've purchased a four wheeler. It's sitting in my garage now. We're doing a sixty four dog uh, four wheeler hunt. You know, set up just like a big pro classic 40 early, 24 late. I think it's $125 entry fee, and a kid's taking home a brand new four wheeler. Wow. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be a, it'll be a pro sports first youth event.
1: So, well, that's awesome, man. How old are you? How, how old are your kids, Seth? My youngest is two and my oldest is five. Okay. So they're a little bit young yet. They're not, you know, quite ready to go out there and mix it up on a night hunt cast. But uh, Not yet, but yeah.
0: they'll mix it up Monday through Thursday with me constantly. <laughs>
1: we went last night. We went last
0: night, and we t- actually took Blake, we are going to talk about, on his first hunt last night. And, of course, you know how it goes. Every time you take somebody for the first time, nothing works the way it's supposed to.
1: Right.
0: I come rolling in with my 5-year-old about 12 o'clock last night. My wife was fit to be tied, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. I remember when my kids were little they really enjoyed going to the breed day hunts and stuff like that. You know, we, we hunted plots and we were in the plot days and, and, and we'd roll in there and I could just cut them loose and we'd go hunt and nights they would go with me. And then other nights I'd roll in at one or two o'clock in the morning. They'd still be up playing, playing cards or playing games or, you know, chasing each other around the fairgrounds or whatever. It was just a, it was a great opportunity for them. So the only thing I would join, you know. Uh, warn you about is i did burn one of them out you know <laughs> dragging him right. along and and uh one too many bad experiences so he's he will still go but he's 22 now but uh man there i remember the night it happened i've told this story before but but uh, he just i i pushed him to the breaking breaking point <laughs>
0: If I had the dogs I had when I was 16 or 17, my daughter would have probably just went one time and never been back. It was miserable back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do you do quite a bit of competition hunting yourself?
0: (laughs) Not really. I mean, I would like to. Um, I own a roofing company, and it seems like every fall and spring, um, or every fall, I I get hammered with work and hurricane work and stuff. Right. Right. You know, I've, I've a couple of cross sport hunters. I hunted in the uh, the Michael Moody Hunt Junction this past year that they did the hundred thousand dollar hunt. I
1: yeah.
0: I don't hunt as much as I'd like to, but at the same time, raising them girls is real important to me, and chasing a dog through the woods all weekend, you know.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, I think your priorities are probably right there. You know, I, I've I've seen a lot of people over the years uh, make a lot of sacrifices on the behalf of a, of a dog that that uh, and that's family sacrifices and putting food on the table and money in the bank account and uh how did you how did you get involved in the state organization is that something you volunteered for Or is that something that uh somebody came to you and said hey ma'am we could use your help
0: yeah uh my a buddy of mine one of my best friends um uh, Clint chase he was uh nominated as president
1: mm-hmm. and
0: kind of, you know, he said, Hey, you know, I do it. i like to bring Seth along, you know, as a board member, the first year I had moved to Florida to start my business. And the first year they were trying to get me, uh, Clint was trying to get me on the board with him, but I still lived in Florida. I said, Clint, I can't help you, buddy. I don't even live in Alabama. Right. And, uh, when I moved back home, uh, a guy came off the board and they, they voted me in. So,
1: yeah. So you must be in, what are you, Southeast Alabama now?
0: No, I'm actually about forty-five minutes northwest of Birmingham.
1: Okay, all right. I'm, I'm
0: outside a little town. Or I'm outside of Jasper, Alabama.
1: I got you. So I was just assuming that since you had moved down to Florida, you were kind of border hopping there in the Panhandle and and back and forth.
0: No, that's a long story and you got enough, time to te- <laughs> I got enough time to tell you that happened. But, uh, I hear we still got my company down there. My cousin runs it. So I'm back and forth. You know, I,
1: I was thinking, I was thinking, man, if he's hunting the, that area in that Southern Alabama, he's one tough, tough hunter. Cause we went down there and, um, after Katrina rolled through and, and did some work and I couldn't believe the devastation and it just got worse after Katrina. Cause all the thick stuff just got thicker.
0: Right. Well, you know, and then that Hurricane Michael, when I was in Florida, Hurricane Michael had come through Panama City, oh, where yeah. I was living, and it destroyed everything north of there. You know, it was.
1: Did you work down in Mexico Beach? This is totally sidetracked, but did you work down in Mexico Beach at all?
0: I did. I did. a I did. A, I did a tree job down there, and then and once I moved down there and got my roofing company started, we did we did four or five jobs. Well, probably two or three jobs in Mexico Beach.
1: Mexico beach is where we would take our family vacations, our beach vacations in the summertime. It was just a little, little, you know, pass through town on the dot had beautiful beaches. And, and when I saw Mexico beach got level, I thought, wow, that there's a lot of personal history for me and my family in Mexico beach ever, you know, going back to when I was a kid and, um, yeah, I was pretty devastated when I when I saw Mexico Beach got hit as hard as it did. They just leveled that place.
0: Yeah, but it was gone. I mean, it was it was gone for sure. So far, you couldn't. There was hardly any debris. Everything was just gone.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah, it was. I remember seeing the the aerials of that place, and you could see different places where we would go and eat, or places that we had stayed, and and different stuff like that. So, yeah. Enough of that talk. But uh, let's talk about. You know, you've got this deep desire to. You got involved with your state organization because you wanted to um, to help the youth, and so that tells me that you've got a a deep desire to see a good, strong future for kids and hunting and and things like that. And uh, it kind of leads into this story that we want to tell about this little boy that you that you found. Just just start at the beginning and tell us how this all came about.
0: Um, so I was me and my daughter, my youngest daughter, she was at us was the day before Thanksgiving. Um, we were actually over at a little deer lease, I got putting out some corn, and uh, we had my wife had my oldest daughter in town, and um. Uh, Facebook post he ate Facebook posts And, uh, and, uh, and Donnie's real good, he he he's real good about getting kids involved in honey, uh, deer hunting and he, he donates uh, he helps donate uh, remote control wheelchairs so he for handicapped kids he's always been involved in getting kids involved in outdoors and he tagged me in the post so I knew, Donnie tagged me some I knew I wanted to check it out and um, there was a local Facebook page just a local community news page that says a kid an hour before as an hour later, I saw it. That was in Walmart parking lot holding up a sign that said, Snack Cakes, $1, trying to buy a black and tan or blue tick coonhound. Right there, immediately, I had to do something, because I knew I could not let that kid get a black and tan. That what happened.
1: <laughs> you know what app I use on my phone more than any other app, besides the podcast app, to listen to this here podcast i use onyx onyx maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today i use it all the time when i was in new mexico i was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that i needed to learn i flip open onyx and just start studying studying the map when i'm riding trails i put the tracking app on it helps me get around in strange country i could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps. And when you check out, enter the code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. We are in the height of Christmas shopping, and we're in a countdown, folks. I know that you're sitting out there wondering where you're going to shop. Am I going to go fight the crowds? Well, let me tell you, I've got a solution for you. You can go to houndsmanxp.hollercommerce.com and do all of your Christmas shopping for those folks in your life who are outdoor enthusiasts. There's everything there. Everything from the Garmin equipment that we use every day to Dakota 283 to Cajun Lights. It's all there. You can even buy a pair of socks for your father-in-law. So don't pass up the opportunity to avoid the crowds and get a great deal at Holler Commerce by going to houndsmanxp.hollercommerce.com. Place your order today. And if you use a discount code 1010OFF, 10, 10 off, you'll get 10% off of your order Shop. Holler commerce. It's a great place to shop for all your outdoor needs. We could have a podcast um, about that.
0: There we go. Um, so we, uh, so me and my youngest went up, we started head that way. Um, I grabbed my female, my little, my female. I got, I just, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to, I want him to meet the dog. I wanted to see if he was scared of dogs, To see where we needed to go with that. You know, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. Um, And my wife was a little bit in front of me, so I called her and told her to go to Walmart and and see if she could run him down. And we couldn't find him. Mm. So so I commented on that Facebook post, hey, if anybody knows the kid, please have him reach out to me or his parents. Um, A girl that I knew from years ago sent me a message on Facebook telling me that she was pretty sure she knew who the kid was. He had stopped by she is a neighbor of his and she had the little boy at Blake had come by her house the week before asked if there was any work he could do or anything he could get to sell in a yard sale to buy him a puppy.
1: No kidding. This kid's so, dedicated.
0: Yep, That was it for me. Yeah, right. that was it. I was all in at that point, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, and she, and she vetted them. She, you know, she said they have a dog and take very good care of it. Cause at this point I still hadn't met him, you know? Right. And, um, she got she got the mom in touch with me and I I talked to her and Blake and I said I tell you what it was you know Wednesday for Thanksgiving I said Monday we're gonna get together and we're gonna meet at the local, pound supply store and and I'm just gonna I'd like to meet you, and um, so I got off the phone with her and I called first person I called was my good friend Jeffrey Mullins he run he has a little Facebook YouTube page uh Coon Hunt with Otter, and he does this thing. About in the cooler months, he'll do a random. You nominate a kid, he'll select them, like spin a wheel and take them on a random coon hunt. Yeah. And he, uh, the supply store, he always somebody always donates waders to the kid. He builds them a little light and gets them in the outdoors. So he was the first phone call I made. I said, Jeff, I need your help with this thing.
1: Well, Jeff, Jeff owns a supply store. No, he doesn't own a supply store. He has a YouTube page called Coon Hunt okay. with Otter. Who owns the supply so, store that's doing Joey that kind Wright. of work? That's what I figured. That's what I figured. I reached out to Joey and, um, give a big shout out to him with the timing and everything. You know, we just, we can't get everybody on a podcast, but, uh, I'm going to track Joey down and, and, uh, but yeah, Joey, Joey, Wright with Dixie doggers. Correct. Yeah. Joey
0: was my second phone call. All right, Joey, I'm going to bring this kid to your store Monday and, uh, I'm going to let him pick out everything he needs for coon hunting, and I'm going to pay for it, you know. But don't say where. Just let him take it get out of there. I'm going to pay for it. And uh, knowing that wasn't going to happen because I know Joey, you know, he wasn't going right. to let me. Well, and I told Jeff, I said, I want to find this kid a pup, but, I won't, you know, I, won't, I don't want a baby puppy. I want something five to six months. It's cool. We can get the dog started now instead of, you know, one hitting seven, eight months in the dead of summer. Right. So... I called, Jeff calls me back on Thanksgiving. He had talked to a gentleman named Ricky Thomas that lives in Lynn, Alabama. Ricky had this real nice English pup he had posted for sale about a month before. Ironically, that morning, Ricky had made a deal to sell this little English dog to a gentleman somewhere. Yeah. Jeff told Mr. Ricky the story, and Mr. Ricky said, hang on one second. And he calls the gentleman that was going to buy the dog and told him the story. And the, the gentleman that was going to buy it said, "Mr. Thomas, I think that boy needs that dog." So he agreed not to buy it. And Ricky, instead of selling that dog, decided to give it to that young boy he had never met in his life.
1: And uh, you're, you're bringing you're bringing so many pieces of this puzzle together. I what I'm seeing here is, you know, you had the initiative. And you knew the right people to go to, so you brought a bunch of houndsmen together to accomplish this mission for this nine-year-old boy.
0: Right. And it was it was a matter of, I talked to them Wednesday afternoon, and I, I thought I'd need some time, so we had scheduled a meeting for Monday. And we ended up getting with them break, uh, breakfast time the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, this all happened in less than eight hours.
1: Hmm um well when you see a when you see a cause it's worth jumping in on i mean it 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 doesn't take long to to get on board you know you you know right when you see it i knew right when i saw this that this is something this is a story that needed to be told and you saw that and joey saw that and all your other friends saw it so it's it wasn't a hard sell
0: not at all i mean and um I, uh, Kayla Cooper. I was talking about earlier. She she Venmoed Jeff some money. Said, "Hey, buy him anything he needs at the supply store." You know, it was just everybody that knew about it chipped in immediately within a matter of minutes. You know, to make it all happen.
1: Mm.
0: And and big shout out to Joey, which um, Joey's son Nathan was there, and we took him in the store, and we said, you know, he didn't know the kid didn't know he was getting the dog at this point. It's in the back of a truck, and and we get him. The stuff I had talked about, and Nate, Joey's son Nathan took him in there and got him fitted on a pair of waders. Yeah. Get him a fireproof jacket. We put all the stuff on the counter, went out to see his dog, and come back. I come back in to gather it all up so he could take it home. And Nathan had put together a, a Garmin 220 for him, put a collar in there for him, hmm. a trash breaker. And just, just the, you know, the community around here and the Houndsman just went above and beyond before we left joey told the kid look any day anytime you need dog food for the life of that dog you stop by here it's on the house it's warmer everything they just stepped up big time
1: that's an amazing thing yes sir
0: but what got me in the whole ordeal was we're all getting ready to leave and mr blake he uh he came up to mr ricky and Digging around in his pocket and he pulled out a wad full of fives and ones and had a hundred and forty-six dollars in his pocket. And he tried to give it to Mr. Ricky. He tried to give it to everybody there. And that just showed me that boy's character.
1: That's a little bit emotional, to tell you the truth. Uh everybody
0: <laughs> there everybody there had allergies in the middle of these in the middle of November, buddy.
1: <laughs> you know, you see a you see a little boy. I'm gonna have to track this boy down, talk to his mom. And, um, it's, um, you, you hear stories like that. And we hear stories. It's all too prominent that kids don't know the value of a dollar. They, they've got poor work ethic. They, you know, they get everything handed to them and then you see this and you know, that, that there's still hope out there in the world.
0: Yes, sir. And you know, uh, Joey made a joke to Blake, you know, you can come up here and work anytime you want, goofing off, you know. Day before yesterday, Joey's, uh, Blake's dad stopped by Joey's store, and Blake called him. And you're not going to believe this. He got on the phone with Joey and asked Joey when he could come up here and work. He had his mama bring him up there, and he worked till dark. A night before last up at Joey's store, learned to make collars, was helping Nathan refurb tracking collars. My goodness. Stayed there until dark, working with Mr. Joey.
1: What's this young man's, do you want to tell this young man's name or do we even want to mention it? His name's Blake. Blake, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You never know what, you know, how much information to give out there because who knows where this podcast goes. Right. Right. You know, so we don't want to, we don't want to reveal too much about the young man without his parents' permission for sure. But, but that's just an inspiring story all the way around. I mean, I, it just tells so much about the character of the men who, you know, choose to, to lead this lifestyle with these hounds and, and the the charity of joey wright and dixie doggers and and everybody involved who was the man say the man's name again that that got the dog for blake ricky thomas ricky thomas yes sir There's... he lives
0: out towards lynn alabama and and <laughs> i don't know a lot about english dogs so he was rattling off a bunch of names but it might as well be it speak spanish to me but it wasn't like this was a litter that mr Thomas had found this female with the pedigree he wanted, bought her from Washington state and had her shipped to him. It was, you know, a litter he had planned. It wasn't, you know, just.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a mistake.
0: It wasn't just two old dogs. He had that he bred, accidental bred nothing like that. I mean, it was a, a planned breeding that Ricky, you know, had put a lot of time and effort into.
1: I think that's, um, I think that even makes the story better. You know, it even shows more character. A man works his whole life and plans these, these breedings for a specific purpose and goes through the pain. And, and yet, I mean, it it goes right back to, you know, the, the parable of, of, um, you know, bringing the best. You don't, you don't give away the hand-me-downs or the, he didn't want him to have just any old dog he wanted to have him one of his his most prized possessions yes sir yes sir and this pup was this pup's how old
0: uh it was five and a half months So five and a half months old and and that was kind of my decision you know on i wanted to i had a phone call come in we back yeah we're
1: back we're back
0: I, you know, that was kind of my decision. I, I wanted to get him a puppy that, you know, was on the verge of getting ready to start, you know. Um, versus, you know, a six-week-old pup that, you know, was maturing and getting ready to start in the dead of summer. You know, we right, got—
1: Right, It's
0: nasty thick. A, a nine-year-old doesn't need to be running around what we hunt in the middle of summer anyways, you know. I
1: bet you Blake could be right. I bet he'll be out there anyway. So oh, you better believe it, buddy. <laughs> you're not going to—it doesn't sound like you're going to keep Blake at home. No, uh, thanks so. right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about a man that raises a pup to five and a half, six months old. Yeah, he was gonna sell it and stuff like that, but I'm sure it wasn't wasn't cheap, you know. By the time you get to that age, if you haven't if you if you've seen any promise in the dog at all, if you're a responsible breeder, you're gonna sell it, then that pup has got some potential to be something. And and for him to to take something that he's got that much time invested in and then call the man and say, Hey, I got this situation. Can we adjust this deal? And the other gentleman say that that kid needs that pup worse than I do. There's so many layers here to the story that show great character and principle and, and just, ah, it's, it's an amazing story.
0: It is, it is. And, and you know. My best friends to this day are guys that were when i first when i had when I owned my first dog, you know they were they were guys that were five and ten years older than me. Yeah. when I was sixteen years old, I couldn't afford to play I couldn't afford a lease to hunt. i i didn't I didn't know the management is good enough, you know <clears throat> I'm I mean, I there's so many people that that helped me at the, at sixteen, you know by letting me hunt their leases, letting me hunt their dogs, you know, Bubba Sullivan. Jeff Heitch, Kevin Flowers, Jason Bergeron—people that I have made lifelong friends with through through these dogs—and that just that that speaks to the character of houndsmen. You know, they as a whole, people—they're they're good people, right. you know, and 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 that's why you know I just I remember me reading the I've read two books in my life front to back. I've read, I've read a book two times in my life, front to back, and I, I was Red Fern Groves twice. I've never read <laughs> another book in my life. And I remember, you know, just 12 year old me just dreaming of, you know, chasing a dog through the woods in the middle of the night, you know, and, and, um, once I was able, able to get a dog and take myself, you know, so many people stepped up and helped me that it's the least we can do to help, help other kids get involved in the sport, right. you know?
1: what did you learn about blake's backstory it's, does he have family that hunted or or was he like us because my story is the same you know i was in i was just i was enamored by hounds and the stories and and where the red fern grows and you know all of that sort of stuff what's blake's story what did you learn about that
0: so after talking to his dad last night um like i said we took we went hunting last night for the first time but um his dad's a big time deer hunter. Um, yeah. Serious about some deer hunting, man. Uh, turkey hunting. Um, when Blake's dad was a kid, there was a guy in West Point, Alabama, a dog trader. And Blake wor- Blake's dad worked for him as a kid, trapping coons, giving him coons, cleaning out his pen. Um, and and Blake's dad said we would go coon hunt, but we wouldn't go coon hunt. He said that old man would take. 10 or 11 dogs, cut them out, listen to them run and get treed, throw a jacket out, come back and get them in the morning, you know? Mm. So Blake's Blake had heard his dad talking about, you know, listening to a coonhound. Yeah. Um, And Blake's dad's got a couple dogs he's trained in the past to blood track. So that, you know, that, that also right. made me feel comfortable. You know, he was familiar with dogs and training. So, so of uh, the course of talking to Blake, I found out that Blake just got got on YouTube videos on his tablet <laughs> or whatever of coon hunting because of his dad. And he wanted to get a dog for him and his dad to hunt together. Yeah. And, and that's where Blake's fascination came from. Hearing his dad just talk about, as a kid, working for this dog trader, cleaning pens and catching raccoons.
1: That doesn't sound like a very good story to get your kid involved. I used to scoop up dog crap and, <laughs> and, uh, wrestle coons for an old man. Yeah. And I think you ought to start coon hunting, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess he did So, I, I, if he already knows all the bad stuff about it, I guess it's only up from here. Right.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, what's the future look like for Blake? Are you guys, have you guys got a plan to mentor this young man and, and, uh, you know, you talked about you not knowing management areas, you not having money for the hunting leases and so what's the the future look like for Blake?
0: So, um, we've got there's several people. Um I just in my friend group that that reached out to me, you know, uh, Brandon Scott, he he hunts pretty hard. He's got a nine year a ten year old boy. So oh. Brandon so Brandon's reached out to me and I'm gonna introduce him to Blake and Brandon hunts pretty he hunts more than I do, so I'm going to introduce him to Blake and let them, you know, start going with them. Um, Jeffrey Mullins, Bubba Sullivan. Uh, I've got several people that will take him in the area. Yeah, and they they do have some family property that's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And Blake does Blake's family, and then they also have a little small deer lease. It's actually not two miles from my house, believe it or not. Yeah. So you know we'll be able i'll be able to meet him over there pretty quick even on nights you know and, and help him there and and i mean there's a there's a group of guys that around here that i do a little they got bird dogs and i i shoot quail with them i go shoot the birds so they can work their dogs and and uh they called last night they want they want to take blake on a <laughs> on a quail hunt, so.
1: yeah great so what what have been the parents reaction to this whole thing you know it's it's not a normal thing in 2023 you know stranger danger and all that other stuff that we're teaching kids these days and and here's a bunch of here's a bunch of rough houndsmen that want to step in and and help this kid and and take him hunting i mean what what kind of arrangement does that look like how have mom and dad been receptive to this whole thing
0: well when they showed up to get the dog or to when to meet me they didn't realize they were getting a dog um the dad wasn't there okay so, um the, the mom told me she said yeah I brought my nephew just to just my nephew to help out because I guess I kind of guess insinuated that there might be a dog but you know and uh and I I thought to myself I said man this guy's dad might not like this too much you know yeah. like yeah. why is he not you know and and I was a little nervous maybe he wasn't Maybe he didn't want the kid to have a dog. Maybe, sure. you know, he might, he might, you know, he might wanted to go do what he had to do to get the dog. So I, that, that made me a little nervous up front. And um, I found out later is obviously because he, this is something Blake wanted to do with it for, for his dad, with his dad. And so when they got home, they sent me a little video update me that Blake surprised his dad oh.
1: with his surprise.
0: So so that took a lot of stress off me. I was like, man, this guy's probably going to come out here and try to whoop me, you know? <laughs> but, uh, and I had, I had talked to Blake's dad on the phone a couple times up until last night. And even when he was coming to my house last night to meet me to go hunting, I, I still hadn't met him, you know, just short, quick phone conversations. And um, man, he was a pleasure to be around. Just, you know, great outdoorsman. Um, he, you know, good family man, takes care of his kids, you know, and. And yeah. it made me feel real good, and and the dad works nights, but he only works like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then like he's got four or five days off in a row. And he's used to being up at night, yeah. so it's going to be perfect for Blake and his dad to get to you know train this dog and and uh, bond together over it, you know.
1: Man, I mean, can you imagine? Uh, have you thought about? And considered the the value you've added to this family. You know, you've got a dad there that's you can't you can't lay this out any more perfect. The dad that's got the history that, that started this passion in his son. The son he's developed a good work ethic in his son to go out and try to raise the funds. And then he's he's raised a good enough young man there to know the value of surprising his dad mom's bought into it i mean this is a this is a story for a book this is billy coleman all over again from where the red fern grows absolutely absolutely i mean you guys are providing an opportunity for for hours and years of shared experience between in an age where where we are a lot of parents are so disconnected from their kids and trying to find that common ground to relate to them you all have helped accomplish that all of you together
0: yes sir it's 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 a pretty neat it's a pretty neat situation and i'm just blessed to be a part of it you know uh i i think i think as you know blake's parents get to know us and and uh I think, I think me and Blake's just spend a lot of the time together in the future.
1: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Some of the most respected people, good friends that I have, you know, they tell stories of, of people that, that saw their interest and their passion and, and took it, took time away from themselves, you know, to, to make sure that the kid was involved and it was just something small, but it, those kind of things stick with, with people for the rest of their lives. And, and, um, I think that's what you guys have, you know, all of you collectively have done down there. And it's just something that, can you imagine what would happen if, if every houndsman, when they leave the house, they look for opportunities like this. I mean, we wouldn't have anything to worry about in society. (laughs) We wouldn't have to worry about people that come and take our know trying to to paint us as as bad people and things like that and this isn't the only story i mean you, we don't do a good enough job of telling these types of stories about coon hunters going to children's hospitals and reading books to kids and 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 raising money for for kids and helping veterans and all this sort of stuff and that's why when i saw this story i was like man we gotta tell this one
0: uh you know absolutely and and when I made that Facebook post, you know, this, I made the post, not, it wasn't, and I tried to write it where it's not about me, you know, it was, I made right. the post about my friends and what they did just at my simple request for that kid, you know, and, and Joey and Jeffrey and Mr. Ricky, you know, that Caleb, you know, they went above and beyond to help this kid and, and that, that's why I chose to you know, write the story. People need to know, hopefully they see what Jeff and Mr. Ricky and them and Kayla and Joey are doing and it'll rub off and it'll get the next kid involved. Yes.
1: yes. I'm, show show I mean, them what a good job looks like. If you want to, if you want people to be successful, if you want to be good at something, show them what a good job looks like. And then they're inspired to go out and, and duplicate that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've got. I've got messages in my inbox people. Hey man, I start pups, you know, when that dog gets a little bit older, free month on me. I, I do feel like it started kind of a chain reaction. Um but the the important thing to me is I'm 35 years old. I'm I'm just a dumb roofer at this point. You know, <laughs> the the kid, those future generations, we got to get these kids involved because let's take Blake for example. Blake may grow up and become a politician. B- Blake may grow up and become a lawyer or or you know, somebody with the knowledge and and the passion for our sport to help save hunting with hounds. You know? Yeah. I grew up deer hunting with dogs. There's only about two counties left in the state you can do it now. Yeah. You know, my time to my time to go fight legislation. I don't I don't have the knowledge, but we got to get these kids involved in the to to carry the carry the sport on. So when they grow up and become the doctors the lawyers influential people they can they can fight for the right to to turn these dogs loose
1: you know we just interviewed a guy by the name of Austin Tomlin that wrote a book he's a he's a young man wrote a book called um deer hunting with hounds a southern tradition and Austin is actually in law school right now and I told him the same thing you know he grew up in this culture and now he's he's going to be an attorney he is going to be such a valuable asset to houndsman to have that kind of influence and knowledge and training and all of that to be able to 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 share his passion with his not only his colleagues but also you know on on the bigger stage there just aren't a lot of us that have been blessed with those skills and the desire to follow through on that sort of stuff and you're exactly right we don't know what the future for blake holds and and We just can't pass up opportunities at this point. Absolutely correct. So what would have happened? Let's talk to the young people that listen to this podcast a little bit. There's obviously something there that you saw in Blake's character that made you want to help him. And we've both been around youth events and different things long enough. And we see the kids that, that really don't want to be there or or um they just got drugged there or something like that. But what was it about Blake's character? There was something there that you like, this is the kid that we've been waiting on to help. Cause I know you've seen other kids that you probably could have got a dog to or you could have gone out and, and searched one out or or something like that. But there's something about Blake that made you think this is the one.
0: Um, I it it first did something to me when I just read the post. You know yeah. that he he's got a he's got a sign. I guess the first thing that got me was that sign said "blue tick." Um, my but, <laughs> my my buddies give me you know they give me hell about these blue dogs. You know, and uh, this there's, this there's, there's some movie my my wife watches and I don't watch. It's something that says you uh. It says, there's a line in the movie that says, you finally made fetch happen. I don't even know what that means.
1: You mind, you finally made what? Say that again? Made
0: fetch happen. It's just some, now something from a movie. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, my buddies give me hell about these blue ticks all the time. And uh, when I got into the semifinals at the Michael Moody hunt, my wife sent me a text that said, you finally made blue ticks happen.
1: Yeah.
0: And then talking about that movie, finally made whatever happened in that movie. And I thought, damn, my buddies, my wife, everybody told me about these dang blue ticks, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I guess when I saw it sign, a boy looking for a blue tick, you know, that was my first dog. And I was, that was the first thing that turned me on to like, hey, let's go, let's go find this kid.
1: Well, and then, I, I can tell you that friends don't let friends hunt walkers. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> I, <podcast>.
0: guess I, <laughs> I guess I ain't got no friends then. <laughs> but uh so you know that that spoke to me and then when that when the neighbor the girl I knew kind of I just used her to vet him you know when she told me he was over there looking asking for stuff he could sell in the yard sale or work to do to buy buy a dog I I knew I had to do something because that's the kid that's going to appreciate it and has the work work ethic to see it through you know to see that puppy through
1: you know that's one of the things that um I've talked about numerous times, uh, on the podcast. I would like to see youth events. We're doing it. We're doing a great job of, of bringing these prizes and different things together to show these kids, you know, you can have a lot of fun doing this, but I think the place that, that we, I would like to see us head with these, these youth events is having youth advisory boards um you know having a committee to help set the thing up because what we're doing then is we're having those kids invest their time into that and and make a sacrifice and put in the work to host their own event you know and and it's like 4-h in the the youth advisory board the kids feel invested in the program it's their program we put the work in we're here setting up tables and and things like that and and A lot of times we miss that in this day and age. And, uh, you know, we see videos of, of dads taking their five-year-old out, sitting in a blind with a gun set up on a tripod over all the work that he's done and, and all this stuff. And, and we don't see the follow through. We don't see the sustainability into the future. But I think when we let these kids get involved and, and have a part in running their own show, then now it's like. We can't let this fail. We've worked on this for years. I would, I would like to, I'm I'm making an appeal out there to jump on board with this thing. let's, let's start setting up and Blake sounds like a perfect candidate. That's going to be there. He's not going to let you put on an event for him. He's going to come and he's going to put it, roll up his sleeves and he's going to set up tables and clean up trash and, and learn it. And he's going to be our next, next generation of leaders in our hound community
0: absolutely and i think i think as a whole the whole i know pkc is trying now you know trying to get the youth stuff going back on um
1: yeah they're doing a good job
0: doing a very good job um i i would you know we the alabama state current association we hosted the akc southern heritage just past year, mm-hmm. um, and and I tried to get, I tried to get a Friday night instead of doing a two night hunt, I tried to get a Friday night um, ladies and and kids hunt only. I tried to get them to do that, not mm-hmm. necessarily AKC. Our board, everybody involved, you know, and and we couldn't get those ducks in a row. I, I would like to see more, you know, standalone youth events because when you're hunting you know you got a youth event going on simultaneously you know and and this dad's handling for somebody or or spent his whole life waiting for this PKC World Hunt and he's got a good shot to win it you know a lot I don't think I think a lot of people don't want their dog to go get out get worn out hunting Monday Tuesday Wednesday night with a kid that's going to make bad calls and cost the cat what whatever it may be If we could get these youth events at different times and and away from away from the bigger you know the other events where where people would put the dogs in the kids hands and and um, and I, i really think that would help grow the whole youth aspect of competition hunting you know
1: yeah yeah well i think i think one of the things i've been doing this long enough that when i was a kid you'd go to the club and and there'd be you know 40 or 50 entries at a, just a local club hunt and um we've watched that die off over the years and and the people that put these events together we've got to figure out how to find those people that value the importance of that for the future yeah. and and kids need to know how much work goes into it of finding prizes who do they talk to about prizes how does how does the paperwork go at the end because what we're finding even here locally is strong clubs have died on the vine because the old timers got old and they aren't doing it anymore so when they're not doing it nobody's doing it and then you can't host youth youth events or any place to take a kid and and in our culture it seems like You know you got the soccer leagues and you got the little league and you got the parents out there doing all the work and and setting up the the fields and donating their money and doing the bake sales and all this stuff and and the we're 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 devaluing the the opportunity there for our kids to be involved and learn a lot of these good character traits that it's going to take to sustain us into the future
0: that's a very that's a very good point
1: yeah because if they don't don't know know if we don't take them and show them it's like You know, this isn't just about you showing up and putting your dog in the hunt and walking away with the prize. There was, there've been months of planning involved in this thing. We had to get this, this, and this, and, and somehow we need to figure out how to, to keep that going. Cause without the worker bees, you know, we're not going to keep it rolling. You're right. You're right.
0: And I, and I'm guilty of it. You know, you know, we all are. Yeah. It's easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's easier for me to, you know, my daughter's pretty good, you know, about planting greenfields, whatever, doing. She wants to help my oldest, but it's easier for me sometimes when she's not there to run down there on the tractor and, and, and till it up real quick. And then that's right. Have to, have to answer a million questions why I made it to dirt without, Exactly.
1: You know? <laughs> I've been so, there, man. I've yeah. been there. You know, my son used to hate working with me and I really felt guilty uh for a long time. You know, I would get frustrated. It'd be like, how do you not know how to do this? You've been doing it with me forever, but I would just jump in and, and do the job for him instead of, you know, showing him how to do the job. And the last few years I've, I've seen the error of my ways. Um, but we just, it's, it's easier for us just to get in and do it. We don't have time to you know, all of us are busy. We're all trying to hunt dogs. We're all trying to work a job. We're all doing this stuff. So it's easier just on the way to work to call Joey and say, Hey, you got a Garmin for the local youth hunt this weekend. And, and we, the kids never know where that really came from and what it took to get it there. That's true. So anyway, let's this, that's enough of that. I mean, we can, we can solve all the world's problems here, but I think you've done done hound hunting and made a huge impact on this young man's life seth and i i just wanted to celebrate that and um you know give you an opportunity to tell your story and and kind of tell us how this all came about there's other kids out there that that are doing the same thing that and all we really got to do is be aware and look for the opportunity
0: and i want to challenge everybody listening to, you know to find a kid in the next two weeks that... And and from your church, the ball team, whatever, pick him up and take him with you. I want you know, I want
1: to I want to ask you a question. You said yes, you sir. made it semifinals of the Michael Moody hunt. That's a that's a big hunt. Yes, sir. And you did it with a blue tick, so it was kind of it was even it was even I, a bigger I, deal.
0: <laughs> I did it with a blue tick and a handler that and a horrible handler too. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, so you remember that's that's pretty fresh. That that hunt was just a few months ago. Yes, sir. And and that was probably a big deal to you, wasn't it? Absolutely. How would you compare it to the experience of setting this setting Blake up the way you the and and all the people coming together? How would you compare the semifinals of Michael Moody hunt to what you've done here?
0: Well, let's say let's just say getting getting to the semifinals. It all fell part of the semifinals. (laughs) But um... I tell you, when we pulled her off that last tree, my uh, Brandon Casman was judging, and I uh, can't remember. I didn't, I didn't know him before. I think I might have gave him a hug. Yeah. I uh, yeah. said, uh, "I'm not gonna cry." I mean, that was just getting that was just getting a cash win up there. You know, to me, that was right. a lot. Right. Um I, I had been away working, um, and before that, I was on the road working. I was, you know, Facetiming my kids and. And I'm very fortunate. I'll work two or three months, and then I'm home m- m- rest of the year. You know, lo- working locally. Um, so, so that came at a uh, not not say a bad time, just a hard time in my life. You know, and and I got I got selected for that entry, and my man really stepped up and got my dog and started getting it in shape for me. You know, and and yeah. I came home and put the finishing touches on her before we went. So, so that was that was really a like, a big deal for me just because being away and everything just being away from my kids and my friends stepping up and uh but when I hugged Brandon I said uh man I think I might cry or whatever I said I don't really it was kind of <laughs> amazing but I was pretty shook up and I called my truck man and I said we did it buddy but but I had it together yeah when Blake tried to pull out that hundred dollars the other day and hand it to everybody there That was it, man. I lost it. I told my wife, "Got to get in the car. We got to go right now." You know, (laughs) so I "I didn't want that boy to see me get get all upset like that. You know, and so I'd say, uh, as far as coon hunting, being able to have a small part in Blake's story was probably uh, it's probably at the top. That's
1: amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, I think so many times, you know, we, we see opportunities like this or, and we, we don't, we see them, but we don't comprehend the impact that we could have because we're worried about, Now nah, I'm not going to take the kid down the road because I'm trying to get this dog ready for a hunt or, or no, nah, you know, we're going, I've done it with my kids before, you know, my daughter used to. She'd try to get in the truck every night to go hunting and I would say, no, you, you're not going tonight. You got school tomorrow. And, and she wouldn't listen. She'd be sitting in the truck right. and and do it in a way that I couldn't say no. You know, I, but, uh, I'd go out to load the dogs and come around and get in the truck. And she'd be sitting there in the passenger seat. And I'd look at her and say, I thought I told you you weren't going. She goes, well, someday I won't want to. So you better go with me. You better take me now, you know? Yep. And she'd just and, manipulate and- the heck out of me. But it's it's a lot of times it just goes like setting up the event. Sometimes it's, we just pass it up because we think it's easier, and we miss the real prize. We miss the real Absolutely. prize. Like like you got to witness. That's 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 a good message right there.
0: Absolutely, and you know it's like last night. Uh, Jeff texted me said, "Hey, Jeff got a daughter a couple years older than my daughter, and they become bestest pals." And. Jeff texted me yesterday. He said, "Are you going to bring Gentry, which is my daughter's name?" I said, "No, I want tonight to be all out, Blake." Yeah. Gentry went. (laughs) Jeff's daughter (laughs) went. You know. Yeah. And back, like when I if I'm getting ready for a hunt, you know, I'll take my daughter. I'll go take my. I got a little place about 15 minutes from my house. I'll hunt. You know, I'll take my daughter and I'll she'll fall asleep and I'll load her up and I'll carry her into the house. My wife will will get her, put her in bed, and then I'll slip back off and make another drop or two. You know.
1: That's right, my
0: i can't I can't leave her behind, you know, yeah,
1: so yeah, yeah, a friend of mine just dropped uh it, this this podcast was impactful for me, and I don't normally do this, you know, talk about talk about these kind of things on my podcast, Clay Newcomb definitely doesn't need any help from me, but um, you know, they told the story of a friend of mine's grandfather, and one of the things that I said to to Tracy Jones was, I hope people, I hope my grandchildren will speak that honorably of me when I'm gone. And
0: very true.
1: when, when you think about the dogs are going to come and go and, and I've sacrificed a lot of time with my family over the years, uh, for the sake of chasing dogs and, um, in the big scheme of things, it's, it's the personal investments I make in my family and the people around me are way more important than, and more gratifying than anything I could ever get out of a dog. That's just me. I know other people aren't going to feel that way, but that's how I feel about it.
0: Yep, And you know, we're, we're all, there was a time in my life, you know, when, when I, I took advantage of, you know, my wife, watching the kids and me, and me leaving them behind you know it took me maturing and growing up a little bit to realize what was important you know yeah me and my wife we we have several businesses we're self-employed and and we've had several talks you know about what we what we want to do next what we're going to do etc but at the end of the day the conversation ends with we just want our kids to be proud of us you know and and yeah. to me that's the that's the most important thing taking care of your family and like you said the dog's going to come and go sometimes i man i this dog's three, you know. I I, I want to get on all time winning blue tick list before she's, you know, before she turns right, five. Right. And but as good as she is, at times, you know, there'll always be another one. When they're when they're twenty, I can go find another one. You know. Yeah. And and when they're grown out of my house, I can I can chase them a little bit more. You know.
1: Yep. Yep. Agreed. Well, Seth, man, it's an amazing story. I really appreciate you taking time. Um, any closing thoughts, anything you want to add, anything we missed? Uh,
0: no, I appreciate you having me, me tell Blake's story and my friend's story. Um, I just, I said it earlier, I just want to challenge everybody. Find you a local kid, and it's good, cool, I don't know, it's probably cold up there, but good, cool weather down here. Find you a kid and take them hunting, man. It, it'll it be one of the most rewarding things. If you've never done it, get you a kid, get you a light, and take them hunting. So
1: for sure for sure you know when you've been in it as long as i have there's plenty of lights around here there's plenty of i can even hand them a garmin handheld and let them be a part of the hunt and you know i've got an extra one of those and and i'm not gonna probably let them keep it because <laughs> i need it but uh yeah. it's a, you know yeah. just for just to take a kid hunting but there's different things that you can do to make them feel a part of the hunt where they're not just out there kicking rocks you show them how to use that Garmin, and they can be a part of it and and show them how to find a coon and, and, and there's just a lot of things we can do. And I appreciate you for, and I, I can, when I saw the post on social media, I looked through it and I thought, man, this guy's not bragging about himself. This guy's just telling a story of, of what we all need to be doing. And that's what drew me. If I thought you were bragging, then I'd have never contacted you to be on this podcast. So.
0: Yes, sir. And, and I, hope, I hope people don't. I hope, as a whole, people don't think that because the only reason the post was made was hopefully to to have someone else, you know, do the same thing. And I just wanted to brag on my friends because they're some of the best people in the world. So,
1: man, you can't ask for any more praise than that. You know, get that, right, that uh, approval from your friends. And um, yeah, congratulations to you, Seth. You set the you <laughs> set the Hound World on fire with this one, and and uh, showed us all what's right in front of us that we pass by so many times and, and, uh, thank you very much for, for sharing that story with us. It's important. Thank you for having me on, sir. All right. Well, guys, that's gonna, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Um, uh, what can you say? you know, I've been guilty of this so many times of passing up these opportunities and when you see a story like this, and it really challenges you to, to look for it and, and really be the stewards of our future. So make sure you're paying attention out there, folks. There's a lot of people out there that we can share this great lifestyle that we love and, and don't pass up that opportunity. So until next time, thanks for listening to the Hounsman XP podcast. This is Mary Chase.